This is a Frogcast Special Edition. Welcome to the Frogcast, special episode late in the week here. We're going to talk a little TCU basketball. NCAA basketball is going now, and TCU fans are learning what it means to really begin to follow at the beginning of the season and hopefully take us through late March, maybe even to early April. We have Alex Apple that is with us tonight. He has been following and covering the Frogs basketball program for a while. Alex, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us about TCU basketball. No problem. It's it's a good time to talk TCU basketball now, and like you said, I've been covering them for years since uh, Jim Christian was hanging around the uh, Daniel Meyer Coliseum. So it's an exciting time right now. No question about it. Well, before we get into the program, just take a a few seconds here and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got connected to the TCU basketball program, as well as uh, your passion for the Frogs. Well, sure. I I was a student at TCU um, when Christian was the coach. And then uh, actually toward the beginning of uh, Trent Johnson's uh, time in Fort Worth, and uh, I originally got connected through uh, working with uh, Purple Menace back when Jeremy Clark was um, writing over there, and uh, he brought me on to write about a little bit of basketball because I had a good relationship uh, with some of the staff there at the time and um, took an interest having played myself. Uh, I, you know, I always just enjoyed basketball, and uh, despite uh, some of the uh, pain and travails that the program has had. Uh, I was probably uh, probably one of the people that liked TCU basketball the most there for uh, three or four years back in the dark ages, and you know now here we come. Um, and thank goodness that uh, TCU has sort of gotten what they wanted. Their white whale, Jamie Dixon, has come in, and uh, the rest, uh, you know, cliche as it sounds, the rest is history. He has uh, turned the program around mighty quick. But let's not discount. Uh, Trent Johnson left him some good players, uh, and that's how we got here. Absolutely the case. You couldn't have asked for a better first season, of course. Uh, Jamie Dixon comes in. Uh, we have some quality wins, make that big win against Kansas in the Big 12 tournament, and, of course, capped it off by being the Kings of New York and winning the NIT. When you think about what it's like to have a, fo- a, a, a athletic program like TCU where, honestly, for the last seven or eight years it's been football, and then it's been baseball, and basketball has, for all – you know, with all due respect, has been an afterthought. What's it like for TCU fans to kind of begin to reorient themselves as, as people that can get just as excited about the basketball program as we do uh, the college football poll and get into Omaha? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you now have an era of college athletics, something in college athletics that just doesn't happen very often. TCU in a prime position with fantastic coaches, a good administration, a good support staff for these coaches and good facilities. And, you know, you think about Jamie Dixon, Jim Schlossnagel, Gary Patterson with Chris Del Conte sort of overseeing the whole shebang. What a system TCU has. And I think fans it's easy to take it for granted. And each year you sort of, you hope for the best. You get frustrated when something like the loss to Oklahoma happens in football. And, you know, you find out that you're probably not going to make the playoff this year. And you sort of get spoiled with that anticipation, Um, you know, but to have an opportunity now with all three of these big sports is something that TCU fans should obviously be very appreciative of, should appreciate it while it's happening because it won't last forever. It can't, um, and it never does for any school. But while it's happening, TCU is in a position to 
um, you know, have immense success, the likes of which most schools don't accomplish in three big sports just like that. So when you look at this basketball team this year, they bring back their top six scorers from a team that won the NIT. Historically speaking, a team wins the NIT. It really gives them some momentum because the NIT is a tournament where some teams are really excited to be in it. Some teams feel like they got snubbed out of the NCAA tournament and they're sort of roll their eyes at it. I'm not sure that they want to play all that hard, and they're obviously early exits quite often. But the teams that want to be there, like TCU certainly was last year, that get that taste of playing in March, winning continuously in a tournament, that is, uh, not to mention all the extra practice that you get, that is an immense benefit not only to the players that year but going into next year. I mean, you look at uh, next year is here now, and TCU returns their top six scores, adds some incredible talent. Uh, has a deep roster, even with two guys sort of in, um, what would you call it, um, eligibility limbo, I suppose. Uh, and I'm talking about Kevin Samuel there and Lat Mayan, two freshmen, uh, both of whom will be eligible. Um, Lat is from Australia. Uh, Kevin Samuel also with uh, you know has traveled around in his high school and prep career. And so that's why uh, the NCAA is a little bit late in approving their transcripts. But I don't think a great deal to worry about there. TCU returns a talented roster um, even without those two. And man, it's, it's the best roster that TCU has had in at least 20 years. It has to be. Well, I don't want to date myself, but I do remember the 97, 98 season, Billy Tubbs. That was my senior year, actually, when uh, they did get into the NCAA tournament, get knocked out in the first round. Lee Nalen, center of that team, I do remember that. And I think this roster is, is better than, than what they put on the court that year. And to consider that we're playing in the best, best basketball conference in the country, man, that's got to have Horn Frog fans excited. And to set the stage a little bit, there was not to say that the Big 12 was ever bad. I think it's been the best basketball conference for three, four years now. Um, it doesn't have as many teams as the ACC. So um, while the ACC has some top-heavy, really talented teams, the bottom half of that league is considerably weaker. Uh, there are no zero easy wins in the Big 12. It is a much better basketball conference than it is a football conference, and it's not even close. And, you know, you look at TCU bringing back – a mix of front court and back court depth while a lot of other schools had some talent leave them. That's why TCU's picked third. It's going to be no cakewalk. I mean, they play poorly. They will end up in the bottom third of the league. Uh, no problem. But if this team lives up to its potential, um, you know, the, the ceiling is significantly higher than it's been in the last five years. And I think that they have a mix of young talent uh, and experienced players that really has the look of a team that if they gel, if they stay healthy, you know, you got to have a little bit of luck. They could make a run into March. And when was the last time you said that about TCU? It was probably when Lee Nalen was still on the court. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Man, take us inside this roster. You've mentioned that there's so much experience in, in, in scoring coming back from this team. Who are a couple of guys of those returners that Frog fans really need to focus on and, and get to know a little bit better? I would say your big two from last year were Vlad Brodzianski and Kenrich Williams. Both are back. Kenrich Williams is Mr. Double Doubles, picked off, uh, picked up right where he left off in the first game this year. He averaged 9.7 rebounds a game last year, just under 12 points. He's back. Brodzianski is, was their leading scorer last year. He's back. You know, and then you have guys like Alex Robinson averaged 11 points last year. The freshman Jalen Fisher, he is just now getting back uh, to playing full time after a, a little bit of an injury kept him out of preseason practice. 
he averaged, um, I think it was, I want to say nine points as a freshman. And then you've got role guys like J.D. Miller, Desmond Bain, who are, you know, would have started on most TCU teams uh, in the past recent memory, in the past decade. But the biggest guy that I think TCU has added, and I'm certain of this, and fans will really enjoy watching him play, and not to sell Kenrich Williams short, that guy's incredible and going to play professionally somewhere. Quatnoy is almost like a more athletic Kenrich Williams, and that's high praise to pile on a guy that's going to be a redshirt freshman this year. And he's from Newcastle, Australia, a really athletic guy that has a lot of elements to his game. But when you look at uh, the potential of a guy like that, finding this talent in two guys now out of Australia that TCU uh, has on the roster is something that uh, um, David Patrick, assistant coach, has brought. Um, He has recruited Australia before. He did it at LSU. Now he's at TCU with Jamie Dixon, and uh, he's bringing some serious talent. Quatnoy is the biggest newcomer um, that I think fans need to keep an eye on, but they've got some talented um, freshman as well. RJ Nimhard is a guard out of Keller uh, who will be, you know, probably minutes will fluctuate early in the year as he gets his feet wet. And depending on um, TCU's health and how everyone else is playing, will probably determine a little bit of the run or the amount of run that he gets uh, early on as a freshman. But he's going to be a nice player. He's 6'4, can really stroke it. And Jamie Dixon did a good job adding at the end of the signing period around his core group of guys. He added a guy named um, Ahmed Hamdi, who is a VCU grad transfer. VCU is a solid basketball program. Hamdi comes in at 6'10", probably a you know 245 guy um, that can really take up space down in the paint and give them some front court depth um, to lengthen out that roster when they have foul trouble. Um, you know, and then he fills it out uh, as well with um, a guy like a guard, Sean Olden, who is a junior college transfer. And I know some TCU fans roll their eyes at the prospect of a junior college transfer, but Olden is a guy who can really shoot the ball. He's a lefty. He's about 6'3", um, and he was at um, – I think he's from Tulsa. That's how I remember him from. I don't recall exactly what junior college he was at last year. But another guy, great depth. Um, this team is, is really deep, and that's what stands out to you when you look at the roster. Well, let's talk about recruiting a little bit. I know we had an early signing day here for basketball. Um, anybody that the Frogs were able to get a commit from early this season that you feel like, hey, at this time next year, these are guys we're going to have an eye on? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the guys, Kendrick Davis, is a guy that's been committed for TCU uh, a while now. I don't recall exactly when he committed, but he is a very nice point guard um, that signed this week. He's out of Houston. Um, and he's a four-star guy, according to 24-7 and pretty much every other uh, recruiting site. Caden Archie is a guard out of Midlothian, 6'6", long, can re- could really be a good defender at the college level, um, but has a lot of elements to his game, can stroke it, get to the rim, finish as well. Uh, and then they signed a guy, uh, another guy out of the – talked about the two Australians – um, a guy named Angus uh, McWilliam. I hope I'm uh, remembering his name correctly because I'm talking off the top of my head. Um, but he is a nice player, a big man who I think will really help TCU unheard um, of really for the most part uh, in the United States and unranked by some services. But that's simply because he's been playing in New Zealand. Um, and, and I know that you covered his 
um, commitment when he first committed. He's a he's another good player. Um, and I don't know if rivals and twenty four seven and the sites have ranked him yet, uh, but he's a guy that I, I think is another under the radar guy that people will look around. You watch Quatnoy play this year. You watch Lat Mayan play uh, either this year or next year. Angus McWilliam, and you say, oh geez, um, wh- where did these guys come from? And it turns out. DCU has done an incredible job um, with some international recruiting, and the you know, recruiting class coming in next year is simply another extension of exactly what Jamie Dixon has going, and that is just a, several players filling the talent pipeline and making sure that this program is not just going to be sort of a one-hit wonder if they make the tournament this year or, or just have a one-year run in the NIT. They're going to sustain success – excuse me, sustain success um, – if the level of talent that they're bringing in is Indian, any indication. You know, let's talk about Jamie Dixon here. Obviously, he had a good run at Pitt. I think they they had an amicable uh, parting of ways when he came to TCU. What has he brought that Trent Johnson couldn't bring, that you know Jim Christensen couldn't bring? What is it about Jamie Dixon as a coach, about how he sees the court and how he sees the game, that really lifts him above his peers? Well, I love Jim Christian, and he I really wished him success, but he was not a great recruiter for, for Texas. He was a He's the all-time winning wins leader in the MAC. He was great at Kent State. He won at Ohio. Now he's at Boston College, which is another very difficult job. He was never a great recruiter in Texas, and quite frankly, I don't think Jim Christian loves recruiting. Yeah. Trent Johnson started out. And, got, and took this program essentially from a really tough job to a job that was attractive. I don't think Jamie Dixon would have come to TCU in any shape or fashion um, after Jim Christian. But Trent Johnson took this job, what was a brutally tough job, going into a very difficult basketball conference, as I already stated, and made them – they struggled. They struggled to win, but got a little bit of talent here, took this job sort of from the purgatory to a position where they could hire a really talented coach like Jamie Dixon. One thing that's interesting about Coach Dixon, and I remember talking to some people when TCU was maybe going to sign him, maybe going to try to go get Coach Dixon, and you looked at his last couple of recruiting classes at Pitt, and they were okay. Uh, but they were just okay. They were not um, terrific uh, by any means. But he has, I think, been re-energized at TCU. I think he had been at Pitt for a long time. They'd sustained a lot of success, and that's very difficult. I mean, to have the discipline to continue to um, do what got you there is always what anybody, you know, in any sort of uh, athletic endeavor is constantly battling against. And I think he's hired a great staff at TCU. He's got a good personality. He's a little bit more um, of a warm uh, guy than Trent Johnson. Uh, Trent Johnson, you know, just simply wasn't a, a program salesman um, like Jamie Dixon is, not quite the ambassador for the program uh, that Coach Dixon is, and that's just not his thing. Trent Johnson is a great X's and O's coach. He simply wasn't uh, the personality that Coach Dixon is, so he's pretty much been the perfect match uh, so far, and. You know, now the onus on him is to develop these players. He's done everything right so far. Development is next, and that's what you'll see this year. How is this team continuing to develop? Um, because expectations are here, which is something that the program hasn't had in, uh, I don't even know. Yeah. 
you know, the, the comparison I've made from basketball to football is, is Jamie Dixon kind of reminds me of Mark Richt his last few years at Georgia before he took the Miami job, that obviously he was successful. Nobody wanted to, like, run him out of town on the rails. But you just reach a point where you're out of new ideas at, at one place, and you go and you come up with some new ideas at a new place, and then and all of a sudden it starts to take off. So obviously you see Miami, where, where they're at right now. They're probably going to be in the top four in the polls on, on when those come out on Tuesday. But then you also look at what Jamie Dixon's done. He's got him into the NIT. They won the NIT. And here we are on the cusp of this new season. And I think I think the, the Frogs should have healthy expectations in Big 12 play as well as into March. And as a coach, it's so, I mean, unless you're Nick Saban, it is so hard to sustain the level of excellence um, year after year after year. I don't care who you are. It fights against human nature. It is difficult. Um, and I think everyone struggles with that. Not that Jamie Dixon was um, slacking off. Not that Mark Rick was doing that at, at Georgia. You know, it, it is just very difficult to sustain success at the same place over and over. And I think that's a great analogy. I, I grew up a Tennessee fan. It's like Phil Fulmer when he, you know, left Tennessee, won a national championship, just kind of gets stale for you. But you can be revitalized uh, at a new spot and. DCU gave Jamie Dixon every reason to be revitalized, um, given that it's his alma mater. Well, in closing here, let's let's talk about the Big Twelve. Where do you see the Frogs landing by season's end? You, is third too too optimistic? Is third maybe uh, maybe kind of tampering down expectations of what it can be? What do you see for the Frogs in Big Twelve play? And aside from Kansas, who who right. do you see as the Frogs' main competition for second, third, and fourth? Well, everything goes through Kansas. They've won the the league for um, <laughs> 37 years. <laughs> Bill Self is a Hall of Famer, and they have great talent again this year. Um, but TCU just beat them last year in the conference tournament. They've showed that they can um, compete in that regard. So I think it's TCU, um, West Virginia, Kansas up there. Um, you would probably have to put Baylor relatively close um up there as well i I know that some people have predicted them uh to be right there with tcu maybe finish ahead so those four teams i would say are the top four but i mean you look at the rest of the conference oklahoma texas tech texas you're telling me shaka smart's not going to have his guys ready to play i I wouldn't believe you ohio state ohio state iowa state kansas state oklahoma state are probably the bottom three um but the entire league is deep and so you know, you got to figure out where you're going to get wins. It starts with win at home. Uh, TCU's got to win winnable games at home, and that's against the Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas. You know, and then you got to go get you a couple on the road, and that's the difference between being six and ten and ten and six in this conference is ability to win on the road. Um, but TCU has a lot of guys that have been through those battles. You give Trent Johnson credit; he brought in Brodzianski and Kenrich Williams, and those guys have been through the battles. Uh, Jamie Dixon brings in Jalen Fisher and uh, has Alex Robinson eligible last year. And those guys have now gone to all of these venues, and that should help this team uh, immensely because you've got to win on the road. And you just look at where you're going to get your conference wins, um, and and some are going to have to get there because you know you're going to drop one or two at home. Um, The league is just really too tough to expect otherwise. Yeah. Well, Alex, I sure appreciate you coming on and kind of giving us a primer for the for the start of the Big 12 here for TCU. I mean, I know we've had our first game. Maybe by the time you listen to this, we'll have our second or third. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. I know you're real active on social media. If frog fans want to follow you online, where can they find you? 
Yeah, that's right. They probably wouldn't have had too much fun following me on Saturday during the Oklahoma game. <laughs> I, was, I lost about 30 followers in the third quarter. Yep, I, I'm sure I was being accused of being too negative, but um, I'm out. Alex Apple D, excuse me, underscore. I used to be DFW. Alex Apple underscore on Twitter. Um, and like to tweet about the frogs uh, a lot. Uh, pretty active on there. And, um, you know, always happy to uh, chat a little bit about TCU. It'll be really interesting um, as the Frogs get past this first month. They've got some, you know, intriguing games coming up. And I, I think that uh, Edward, excuse me, the uh, Schulmeyer Coliseum, I almost said the DMC. I'm, I'm still uh, got that in my mind. Will be a great place to see a game this year. Um, the arena really came alive last year. I, I was pretty impressed. Um, and I think people that have been there have to be. Um, impressed with the developments there. So I would say go out and see the Frogs play. It's a good bargain, and for your um, dollar, you're going to get some pretty entertaining basketball. You know, you really are. My my brother lives just outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He's a TCU alum, TCU fan. And so he okay. went to the Iowa game when we played there in the NIT. And he said he went in there and everybody, you know, there were like 15 TCU fans. And, uh, you know, Iowa was, was treating it like they were hosting Michigan. And he said he'd <laughs> never seen a crowd that excited just kind of get deflated as TCU just basically took control of that game and never let up against Iowa. I'd love to see that kind of home court advantage at, uh, at Schulmeyer arena this year. There's no reason the frogs can't get support there in that amazing place where we play basketball. Oh, absolutely. December 30th is the first conference game against Oklahoma, but you know, they even have some good non-conference basketball games uh, coming up later this month. They host New Mexico. New Mexico is always pretty solid at basketball, a real sneaky home game is the game against Belmont. And if you're not a basketball diehard, you may not know about Belmont, but they're in the tournament almost every year. They are a great mid-major team, and they play a fun style of basketball, throw up a lot of threes. It's really interesting. And then they play SMU in um, December. So there's good games on the schedule, um, and it is going to be uh, quite a little run to see if TCU – and for the first time handle some expectations with the basketball program, as you mentioned. I know we have some fans that are actually in the Nashville area that, that listen to the podcast, and we're playing at Vanderbilt in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, if I remember correctly. You are. You are correct, and I'm from Nashville. My sister went to Vanderbilt, and that is a great place to see a basketball game as well. The the benches are actually on the uh, in the end zone under the basket, and the floor is raised, so the seats are sort of underneath the floor uh, as well. It's a wild place. It's a difficult place to play for sure, but that's a great game. That's a, that's a January contest and kind of a cool mix-up in the middle of Big 12 play. You get to go play a great SEC game in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I grew up a Kentucky basketball fan. Still am a Kentucky basketball fan, so I've, uh, I've watched Vanderbilt a lot over the years. So they got, they got the, one of the Drew brothers there. This will be his second Bryce year as the head coach. Right, Bryce. The guy that hit the shot in the NCAA tournament all those years ago. So that's right. Always pesky Vanderbilt. They're they're just a tough team to beat at home, no matter who they got, no matter how talented they are. Weird things tend to happen there, and I'm sure you know that if you're a Kentucky fan. And for some reason, Jeff's feed cut out right as Alex was finishing up, but that's okay. It was into the show anyway. We want to thank Alex Apple for joining us for this special edition of the Frogcast to fill us in on the new and exciting era of TCU basketball. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Maybe leave a nice review. You can also find us on Google Play or at thefrogcast.com and interact with us on Twitter and Facebook. So for Alex Apple and Jeff Mitchell, I am producer, director, and editor Daniel Southern. Thanks so much for listening to this special edition of the Frogcast. Thank you.